man, you, you almost have to step back and, and try to really be appreciative of the space that you're in because it's a cool job. You do get to help craft a story and evoke emotion, you know, whether you want them to be pumped up for a game or shed a tear at an emotional story. You know, even during the pandemic, people were talking about, oh, if you're not learning a new skill right now, you're wasting time. It's like, man, it's okay to breathe. I mean, you can love something and still need a break from it. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. For those of you that are new to the show, I'd like to introduce myself. I am Brian, the host, and I'm what you'd call a masshole. Loosely defined, this is a sports fan that originated from the top right corner of our country and is known to celebrate championships at a seemingly impossible rate across a multitude of high-level sports. We are incredibly loyal. I have lived and worked in four different major sports markets, and yet I've never taken up a single local team. Boston sports fans never abandon their team. I don't really like jerseys. But I have four, Patriots, Red Sox, Bruins, and one Seahawks jersey. And the only reason it is allowed to exist is because former NFL MVP Sean Alexander signed it for me when we worked on a television show together. It makes the cut for that reason only. I feel like that's okay. Why no Celtics jersey, you ask? Because tank tops are a little too personal, if you know what I mean. I can rock the tank, don't get me wrong, but do I really want to? Talk to any Boston sports fan, and they will admit that they cried a singular tear as they watched the opening to the 2002 Super Bowl and the Patriots came onto the field as a team. It hit us in the heartstrings. Every one of us wiped away that tear and yelled something like, let's go, baby. And our spouses looked at us with utter bewilderment. We screamed with Kevin Garnett that anything is possible, and we annoyed people across the country with our tendency to win it all so damn often. I bring this all up, not just to relish in the glory of yesteryears, but to point out I'm a little pissed at the NBA Finals game start at 9 p.m. Weird transition there? Stick with me. Does anybody work? Game two on a Sunday at 9 p.m. Isn't it proven that the NFL can generate massive ratings at 4 o'clock, a more reasonable time? Can we do that rather than start my week off a little hungover? Sorry, boss. Staying up really late to watch your team ultimately lose is a double whammy. Weeknights at 9 p.m. just feel obscene. Sure, you could make the argument that you affect the West Coast fans by having it any earlier than 9 o'clock since that's 6 o'clock locally and any earlier than that, they're all stuck in traffic. But one thing I forgot to mention, Boston sports fans only care about ourselves. This is about me. I don't want the game to start at 9 o'clock. Now, all of this is a super long preamble to share a little of my NBA Finals excitement because I love this game. And it's extremely frustrating to watch the Celtics team play. And if they could just stop turning over the ball, we might have a chance. But it's also to introduce today's guest, Sean Deloney, Associate Director of Content for the Phoenix Suns. Sean and I conducted this interview back in the fall, but it's so good. We're bringing it back today because I've been watching a lot of NBA basketball and I've been neglecting booking guests. We'll get back on the horse. Don't worry. I got ghosted a couple of times in there. People have busy schedules, a lot of things going on right now, vacations, et cetera. This happens. It happens. But 
Let's get to Sean because he's one of the most creative and inspiring young leaders in our industry. So take a listen and cheer on my Celtics. And if you look at our YouTube channel and I have bags under my eyes, you can blame it on Adam Silver. Here's Sean. Hey, Sean, what's happening? Nothing much, man. How are you? I am good. Thanks for coming on during season. A lot of times when I try to book guests and it's like during the season, people are like, I am not talking to anyone. So I really appreciate you uh, cutting out a little bit of time for this conversation. No, I appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, it's always busy during the season. There's never really a good time, but we're kind of coming down off of our massive lift of our opener and things like that. So we get to yeah. breathe just a little bit. So a little bit, um, but enjoy I'm the moment. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a very fleeting moment. So yeah, we enjoy it, it while we can for sure. I tell you, I, we're not even I'm already going off track, but I mean, no. when we think about like all the conversations right now about mental health and the stress of the schedule and yeah. things like that, you really do have to take those moments and just like lean into them, don't you? Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, especially, I mean, in this industry, it's so, you're always on the go. I mean, it's never slow. The slow times are still insanely busy. So, um, you know, I always preach to the team that I have now, really trying to get our days back, get your time back where we can, because, um, and I'll, I'll probably repeat this throughout our conversation, but no, no one's going to come in and say, hey, I know you were you were working hard on that thing last night. How about you take a couple hours off? No one's going to do that for you. So I try to encourage you know people on our team. Listen, if you have the opportunity, things are slow. Leave, go, get your time back. Um, you know, do what you have to do to keep that mental health strong because burnout is real, especially in this industry, and it, it's something that I think still needs a, a much bigger spotlight on in in, in our world and our realm because you know it's so go go go, and if you don't you don't do a mental check or take time for yourself, you'll burn out for sure. It's so real. And I'm so glad you say it too, because I think for the longest time, this idea, at least when I was first coming up in the industry, there was this idea about grit and working it out That's and just sure. like being tougher than everybody else. And I think so many of us suffered in silence yeah. or didn't make any of those mental health checks That's or important. didn't put ourselves first. And I just love that this conversation is taking hold because this idea of grit and like working 12 hour days to prove how tough you are is ridiculous. It really is. And it's crazy because more than any, like I, I, that was the world I came up in, especially, you know, trying to be young, get your foot in the door. You know, all I thought about was, you know, how can I, you know, show that I'm, I'm worth, you know, yep. anybody giving me a full time gig. And that was, you know, working the 14 hour days, never slowing down, um, you know, working the weekends, the holidays. And oh, yeah. know, I was working. I was at a point um, as a part timer, an intern or um, even early as a full timer here um, where I was working every single game by myself, one video person and just, you know, coming in at nine o'clock, not leaving till 1130 day in, day out. And, you know, putting everything on hold, life, family, relationships, just to try to get, you know, what I thought was, you know, the ultimate goal. And now being in the position I am now, it, you almost, I almost laugh at it. I'm like how jaded I was. I'm like, yeah. man, like you were going about it all the wrong way. So it really is, um, you know, something interesting to look at because, yeah, I mean, everybody talks about, you know, if you're not dedicated, if you're not doing it 24 seven, um, you know, even during the pandemic, people were talking about, oh, if you're not learning a new skill right now, you're wasting time. It's like, man, it's okay to breathe. It's okay yeah. to, I mean, you can love something and still need a break from it. I, I mean, yeah. my wife would have, would attest to that, you know, you can, yeah. <laughs> you can love. Yeah, we all have to give yeah. ourselves a little bit of grace. Yeah. It's like, you can yeah. take a, a step back and you can, I, I love seeing athletes now 
that never yeah. used to have this level of vulnerability where they would be yeah. able to say like, I need to step back. I need to take care Perfect. of myself first. We're seeing a lot of instances of that now. Yeah. And I think it's the right message to send to anybody out there. I want to dig deeper into this topic. We'll definitely circle yeah. back to this, but let's go back to your beginning a little bit. I'm fascinated yeah. by this. I was reading that you started out as a chemical engineering major. Is that right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. how did you, how did you figure out the like, okay, wait, this isn't my jam. Yeah. I need to go somewhere else. And how did you figure out that sports was the thing you wanted to follow? Yeah. So I was, I was about a year and a half into my chem engineer major. Um, Which is crazy. Was, yeah, it really was. And I, I just, <laughs> I just really loved, you know, the idea of, um, I was really big on math. I liked math um, and chemistry was something that kind of combined math and actual physical aspects of it, you know, applying what you've, you know, calculations and things you've made to, you know, a physical nature in chemistry. So um, the hands-on part of it, I think kind of was, was some of what of a tie. Um, it also sounded really good. Chemical yeah. engineer, what do you, oh, yeah. you know, what are you, so I wanted to have something strong, it felt like. Um, but I'll <laughs> tell you what, I got into that second chem class lab and I was like, I have no idea. People were breezing through and I was like, I have no idea what, what you guys are talking <laughs> about. And I was also playing Juco football at the time. So I was taking night classes. So my, yeah. My chem labs were like, you know, 6.30 classes at night and I'm trying to stay awake. And I was just like, I, I don't want to do this. I just, I wasn't enjoying it from the get go. And I knew it was only going to get much, much harder. Um, these were intro chem classes. So yeah, I had a very terrifying um, realization. I had to go to essentially a counselor and say, I mean, I'm almost two years into this thing and it's not what I want to do. Um, yeah. I don't know where to go from here. I don't know. Scary. Yeah, it was really scary. Um, and she said, well, what do you like? And I said, I love sports. And she said, have you ever considered journalism, which I'd never thought about. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I just went full fledged into it. And, um, you know, I went to Scottsdale Community College out here. I mean, they had a really great um, journalism program, um, opportunities to do on air stuff, print, um, even web, even though web was kind of slowly coming about at that time. Yeah. Um, and I basically jumped headfirst into it um, and ended up joining the school paper um, as a sports writer. Found out that the sports editor just completely ghosted um, the entire uh, newspaper organization. So there was no, no sports way. editor. So I assumed the role of sports editor as my first ever step into the world of journalism. Um, so I was, you know, completely controlling my section, writing four or five stories, um, you know, her issue, um, yeah. it was insane. And on top of also the schoolwork and um, trying to learn a new craft, essentially. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate to just be able to go, you know, just dive headfirst into it and had a great support system there. But yeah, that's kind of how that went and just kind of evolved from there. It's a pretty massive shift going from chemical engineering to journalism yeah. And, yeah. and content creation. Yeah, I think that's as was. big as a shift as you can get. Yeah, it was crazy, man. And it was really intimidating um, because it was, you know, I was going to people, approaching them for interviews, things that I had never done before. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a relatively uh, reserved person by nature. So um, there was a lot of things that were new experiences for me having to, you know, track people down and, you know, sit them down and ask interviews. Where was, that was a terrifying, like, idea for me at the time of, like, sitting one-on-one -on -one with someone and trying to get a story out or, you know, randomly reaching out to a person, cold calling someone and trying to get a story together. So, um, but I grew into it and, you know, it kind of just evolved from, you know, that, that aspect of print, um, 
mm-hmm. trying my my share at you know doing the on camera stuff. You know, dreams of being on Sports Center or something like that. Didn't we all? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then quickly realized through a lot of different experiences that that also was not the path. But thankfully, I was well versed enough to kind of find my niche. So, 2011, you get hired by the Suns. Yes, I mean that's that's a pretty impressive first time gig. I mean, yeah. a lot of us. Now, I, I started out at a pretty big media organization and built my way up, but most 90% of people start somewhere small, work their yeah. way up, finally get to the pros. Maybe they yeah. spend some time in the minors. Um, as uh, clearly you have the skills, clearly you've made it work. Clearly you've been there, f- you know, between the suns and the cards now for, and back to the suns for 10 years now, yeah. clearly you have the skills, but looking back now, why do you think that happened? Why do you think if you were going to analyze it going from college to the suns, what did you think that you had that stood out to them or just made you the right candidate? What made you so hireable? Uh, you know what? It was, it's really funny. This, the story itself is actually funny. And it's really the, the, the notion of it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story goes, I was literally finally in the realm of kind of production and kind of finding my niche on what I wanted to do as a career. And my mom calls me out of class and says, hey, I have a friend that works here. Um, Someone she worked with, her husband is a producer at The Suns. They're hiring. You should go. And I'm like, "Okay, sure, mom. Because at this time, I mean, you're talking 2011 content teams. They weren't a thing. There wasn't there was no such thing as a content team. It was it blew my mind to even think that the Phoenix Suns had a production department. It is something that wasn't a common tie back then. And so I'm kind of like, yeah, sure, mom, whatever you say, I'll I'll send my resume. And, you know, I kind of blew it off. Honestly, I was just like, you know, mom, my mom would hit me up all the time about, you know, oh, there's a job I saw here. I saw this and God bless her. I would just be like, okay, mom, I'm on it. pretty cool, mom. No, it is. It is. And (laughs) she gets the the ultimate win in the story because um, (laughs) sure enough, she followed up and like, hey, seriously, like you need to send me a resume. And so I send the resume. And I'm um, sure, sure enough, I get a call from um, a guy I still currently work with, Mark Goldberg, um, who is a producer here for the Phoenix Suns. And he says, hey, we're hiring for um, not only an internship, but as a part time gig that you're going to yeah. get paid for, which if any college person will tell you, and you know, anytime Thank I can get much. paid to I'll do take it. Any, yeah. So it was <laughs> like once once I actually had that conversation, it was like, oh, holy cow, like this is this is a real opportunity. And so I went down, interviewed. And, you know, just tried to sell myself. I was completely honest with Mark. I told him, you know, I'm still very green in this yeah. industry, um, but I, I promise you there's nothing I'll say no to. Um, you know, I'm willing to learn. I'm a quick learner. Um, and I just really just did my best to sell myself. And when I got the job, I just something told me and it was it was more of just a. I think realizing what the opportunity was at stake of like yeah. I, once I'm in, if I get in here. Uh, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to drop the ball here. Like yeah, I'm going to take ahead foot. Of you. Yeah. yeah. Like I just knew, and I didn't know how long it was going to take, but I knew if I got my foot in the door, even in this, just this small regard, um, I was going to take it and run with it. And that's, that's what I did. That's such a great attitude. I, yeah. I, I mirror that myself. I totally yeah. get it. Uh, so when I look back at my first job in the industry, I have so many fond memories. You know, yeah. like I have so many things that are just like, that's a real foundational time. You know, like yeah. your first gig in the industry. Sure. I'm editing highlights that are going out yeah. in the air. People are seeing them. Like, and yeah. I'm just like, I'm as happy as can be. Yeah, Didn't matter what the schedule is like, all that stuff. It's super cool. When you look back at that opportunity, when you first started there, what are some of your fond memories? What are some of those moments that kind of stick out to you? Man, the same thing. Just the first time being on a real shoot. 
um, yeah. lighting an interview. I remember how geeked I was when I did. I can't even remember what the sponsor was. It had nothing to do with the Suns, but it was my first TV spot. It was like a, uh, oh, I do remember. It was the Suns basketball camp. They gave okay. me the keys. And I had to, you know, traffic a VO. Um, so I did, you know, line up. I'm, I'm calling people like Tom Leander, who in my eyes as a Suns fan is like legendary. Yeah. I'm calling Tom, getting him down to the arena to do a voiceover. Um, completely editing the spot, um, still trapping it to, I think it was still beta at that time, still dumping it on the beta so, tape, yeah. um, just all those things and thinking how cool it was of like, dude, I got my first commercial. Um, but all the things, obviously in the sports world, you know, first time interacting with players, um, you know, I, I think the first instance I had was our media day. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, seeing guys like, I mean, I'm, I'm born and raised Phoenix, so, yeah. um, or Arizona. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard Suns fan. So seeing the Steve Nash's walk around, and, oh, yeah. you know, just being in the bowls of the bowels of the, uh, of the arena and, you know, just all that, just all the things that I had never experienced, um, that I always wondered about as a fan, mm -hmm. um, was kind of like every time those moments happened, it was like kind of like a pinch yourself moment. So, oh, totally. um, yeah, so there was, there's so many different, um, you know, of those moments but the one that really sticks out to me was that that first commercial because being able to it just felt like you know you know everybody's working on bigger things and projects but I, you could not tell me that that sun's camp spot wasn't the most important thing going on in the organization at that time i was so happy about doing that so that's so that's cool. like my first memory that pops into my head for sure oh totally i love the like so i was at cnn sports illustrated in atlanta and anytime okay. a team would come into atlanta to play the hawks or the braves or like that we'd bring in certain people and i remember Shaq coming in one time and just yeah. being like staring at him like in awe like oh yeah. my god you're you're yeah. huge and athletic and like I feel yeah. like you could step on me like it's just yeah. I, all these little moments are just like I don't know when you're young and getting into it it's just it's so overwhelming and so cool yeah it really is and it's funny too because now you're in it I'm in it so much you yeah know, people ask me all the time like oh you saw this guy you know, where you're nervous and I'm just like, no, you know, cause now they're just in, a human being. Yeah. Cause now, you know, them. it's just like, you know, they're people, you know, they, they yeah. put their shoes on one foot at a time. They just make a lot of money because they're really good at this sport. But, you know, it's funny. There are moments where I have to go, you know, man, you, you almost have to step back and, and try to really be appreciative of, of the space that you're in because, yeah. you know, when you are up against it all the time and you're in it all the time, you know, you, it is easy to kind of take things for granted and realize that, you know, you, it's a pretty lucky position to be in and it's pretty fortunate to do something that not only that I love, but it is, it's a cool job. I mean, it's a grind it's a and really cool job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a cool job and you know, everybody can complain about, you know, anything they're in and it is a grind and it's not all, you know, it's not all basketball and highlights, but you know, it's, it's, it, there are the moments like, uh, you know, two weeks ago when we had our opener and you know, the, the bowl is full and the crowds are going crazy and you're just like, man, like, it's really cool that you get to experience these things as an employee. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely have those moments where you have to kind of take a step back and like yeah. just appreciate it for what it's worth. No, that's really cool. Yeah. So when you first started with the team, we always talk about how winning can change cultures, you know, with the players and on the field and things of that nature in the yeah. arena, but it also changes the environment within the building. Oh, I mean, wow. when you first started with the Suns and for the first eight or so years, not so great, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that can be hard, but how do you compare it now to where – You've got a really good team. How does that just change the entire environment and the business culture? Oh, it's night and day. I mean, I, I literally lived through my first tenure with the Suns was the worst stretch of Suns basketball in history. So, um, you know, it's it's tough 
especially in our industry and when you're talking content and, you know, trying to essentially tell the stories of a team and an organization and, you know, no one wants to hear what you're doing because you're losing. I mean, it, it, it didn't matter what we did, what we would do. It could be Devin Booker rescuing puppies from a fire. They're like, <laughs> we don't care. You should be in the gym. You know, he wasn't right. in the gym. So, um, you know, when you're going through those tough stretches, it, it does, it wears on everybody. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough when you're in NBA environments and, you know, we're wearing your son's gear and everybody's looking down on you, you know, all those mm-hmm. things. It's very real. And so not as many people at the arena, yeah, the energy's sure. different. Everybody you're running into, you know, is, you know, uh, as a happens to all of a sudden be a GM and it's oh, telling yeah. you what you guys need to do. And I remember, you know, instances where I'd just be walking back from lunch and some guy off the street would be like, y'all don't deserve a new arena. Y'all need to win. And I'm just like, man, I don't well, like, why are you attacking me, dude? I, yeah, I just, you know, I don't but, make that call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, tons of instances like that, but now to be on the other side of it and, you know, to, um, to have a team this good and, you know, to have the run that we did last year. Um, it's just awesome. I mean, the environment's different you're excited for, you know, um, to get back to it. You know, there's sometimes where you're, you're in, you know, these long stretches and you're like, you know, it's tough to get up, but you know, now when you're, you're expecting your team to come out and perform well, as opposed to like dreading going into a game, you know, hoping that we, you know, at least show up because that's what the environment was for a while. It was just like, man, I hope, you know, I hope we put on a, you know, we're on ESPN tonight. I hope we don't get blown out or whatever it was, you know, it's yep. just, you know, that rebuilding process was tough for everybody. Now, you know, we walk into games and we're expecting to win. And so it's almost, it's the, the script is completely flipped in a sense of like, you know, we're, we're frustrated when we don't, when we don't win. Yep. And so, um, but yeah, in terms of like office environment, you know, people are jazzed up, people are excited um, when games come around, today's a game day. So, you know, you kind of have that buzz in the air of like, you know, it's going to be an exciting night. And it's It does really make all the difference when the team is good, for sure. So in your first stint with the Suns, you were there for eight years. Is that right? Um, Something like that? Just under eight close? years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, roughly. Yeah. How would you describe the kind of day-to-day functions of your roles as you were there on that first kind of to span? And then how has it changed as you've come back again? Yeah, well, so... I was in a different role when I left. So I was I was part of our content team um, as a producer. And so, you know, I was very fortunate to do a lot of the uh, brand facing things. Um, so a lot more um, basketball centric stuff, if you would. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to do too much of, you know, the partnership and the ticket messaging. It all kind of intertwined. So, you yeah. know, you touch, you touch a little bit of all of it. But, um, you know, most of my day to day would consist of, um, you know, creating, you know, creative content and in the pure sense of trying to find things and, um, you know, finding ways to tell stories of our team, um, our players, um, individual moments, um, you know, just trying to tap into that creative side as much as possible, which was really fun for me because, um, you know, we deal with a lot of stuff that people don't realize that is much, much, much more than basketball. Um, You know, I think a lot of people think you come in here and you just create basketball highlight videos all day and that's probably 10 percent of what we do here um in terms of what the job description is so for me to be able to be in that role before i left um to you know kind of just focus on the creative aspect um of you know of the content that we were creating and you know obviously also getting a chance to do you know big projects creating intro videos our brand videos, um, working on uh, huge initiatives within the organization, um, which was, you know, our naming rights deal um, yeah. with Talking Stick back in the day. 
you know, pushing forward, you know, our um, initiatives in terms of trying to get the renovation pushed across. Um, that was a big one. Announcing PayPal on our Jersey patch, New Jersey reveals, all the cool stuff that you would like to do. So I was yeah. very fortunate to be able to be a part of those type of projects. And uh, now coming back, it's so weird because, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to come back um, as an associate director and now I have kind of a team under me. And so now it's much more, you know, trying to make sure that I'm providing them um, all the assets that they need, whether it's equipment, you know, guidance, computers, whatever it is, um, to make sure that they are, you know, capable and equipped to do everything that they need to do. And now it's it's weird. It's like the 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 more you elevate, the further away you get from, you know, the craft in its purest form, but yep. um, it's weird. The mind, the mindset just shifts because I'm excited to see, you know, we have some young shooters on our team and I'm excited to see what they do and, and how they produce. And really my mindset is just trying to, you know, save them from themselves. Like we talked about earlier, I'm, you know, trying to encourage them of like, I know you want to work and shoot every single game that we do, but like the games yep. will always be there. Like take your time, like, how are you doing? Are you surviving? Like, you know, can we take a breath at any point? It's been hard, um, yeah. to be honest, initially. I mean, everybody's just so busy, but um, to be, you know, to shift that mindset now, not so much of the day to day, but more um, a macro view of looking at everything that we're doing um, is something I'm still learning, but it, it's been fun. It is. It's so interesting to hear you say that, too, because this podcast is the way that I maintain that creative side too, because mm -hmm. I have a team of eight. I have yeah. people that I'm managing. We have bigger projects that we're doing. And there's so much that goes into, like you said, like them, yeah. like, how are you? Like, yeah. are you okay? What do you need? Yeah. How can we help? How, how can I take away roadblocks from you? Yeah. And you spend so much more time managing the people to make sure that they are able to do their best and yeah. set up for success. And it's nice to be able to dabble your hands back in a little bit and be able to have some of those creative moments for yourself too. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've been fortunate too. You know, we, we've had, like I said, the, the opener is really a big lift for us. And so I was able to, um, you know, take part in, you know, our first intro video um, and our brand video. And I think I'm, I'm also on deck for, we're doing three intro videos this year, which is always fun. Um, yeah. But it's, it is cool, but it, it's just another heavy lift. And I think mm -hmm. I'm on, I'm on, uh, tasks to do the third intro video. So I, I still get to, you That's know, cool. I do have a hand in it. And, uh, you know, it's it's just a weird game. You know, even uh, we had one of our shooters come in. He was kind of making our shooter schedule for games and rotations. And he was like, do you want to shoot games? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I want to shoot games, but I also don't want to take away opportunities from, you know, those who haven't. I've shot tons of games. I've, yeah. you know, I've gone on plenty of road trips, so I, I don't want, it's a very fine line of, I don't want to take away opportunities, but I also don't want to be absent either. I don't want to be like, well, you know, Sean hasn't shot a game in four months, you know, right. well, you're drowning. So yeah. I still want to be an asset, but I also yeah. don't want to be, you know, Oh, is that the Lakers coming to town? No, I'm shooting that game. That's my game. I don't want to be that guy either. <laughs> so. the best yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to do that either. So it's trying to, you know, just to be clear that. to the audience too, Devin Booker is a shooter in the sense you may be thinking what Sean's talking about is videographers, yes. Yes. photogs, yes. you know, Only camera cameras. operators. So no other, those no are different types of shooters. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah. not competing with Devin yes. Booker out there. No, no. That would be a, that would be a laughable experience for everybody else, for sure. I'm oh, I think you could hold your own. I'm sure. Not against that guy. That guy no, is just, no, he's no, just no. built different. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's he's so cool. different. Yeah. Okay, so I got a question in there. So yes. you you were with the Suns. You leave and go to the Cards. You're 
Arizona guy. Yeah. You come back to the Suns. I'm not going to ask you why that's your business, but yeah. I do wonder how much does the like the nuances of the audience change? Like you're going from NBA audience to NFL audience. Do you change the way you deliver things? Is there a different approach or is it all just good content's good content? Well, I mean, yeah, good content is good content, but there's definitely, um, I mean, there's definitely stark differences in the fan bases, but I think it really just depends on where your team is at that time. Um, you know, ironically enough, the Cardinals and Suns were kind of on the same path, you know, mm-hmm. young team, young coach, you know, young superstar with, you know, between Booker and, and Kyler. So it was kind of all, you know, very hopeful for both fan bases. And, you know, in terms of, you know, there wasn't a lot of initial success, but there was always hope on the horizon. You know, guys just need to grow. You know, we have talent there. We got a good coach in. It just needs some time to develop. So yeah. there were a lot of similarities in that standpoint. Um, but, you know, football is football is a different beast, man. I think, you know, the 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 bandwidth for patience from fans in football is, is a lot thinner than the basketball world. Just from my experience, you know, you yeah. could be you could win week one and People are saying you're Super Bowl bound and, you know, no one no one could say anything negative about you. And then you have a bad performance week two and it's fire the coach, fire the GM, fire the content creators. Yep. It's it's everything. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like basketball, maybe because the season is, you know, obviously a lot more broad with 82 games and, you know, it you have a little bit more breathing room to to, to stumble here and there and get back to where you want to go. Ultimately, um, maybe that is like a saving grace. For fan bases, I'm not sure, but football was very much, you know, in terms of fan bases, like, and I, and I think that's the NFL in general, too. I think, you know, you live and die on Sunday, you know, you win on Sunday, the following week is awesome. You know, you got great content, you're puffing your chest out, everything's great. You lose on Sunday and you're just, you know, you're at the mercy of that loss for the entire week. And so it's just one of those things where I think the nature of the leagues are different, too. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of Cardinals fans and Suns fans, they were kind of almost aligned in the sense of, yeah. you know, the, the mindset was kind of the same. I'm like, you know, we, we feel like we're close. We have the talent. It just has to develop. And sure enough, that's exactly what's happened. And it's been really cool to see. As you've progressed and you, you know, went from to the cards and then came back. Yeah. How different do you feel as like just a man? Like you're now yeah. in a different role. You're leading a team. Like you've progressed in your career how different did it feel coming back in and how different do you feel as a contributor to the organization? Um, it's, it's, that's a great question. It's kind of twofold as a creative. Um, I've never felt more confident in terms of my abilities and what I'm able to do shooting, editing, um, yeah. you know, content creation. Uh, I feel like, you know, just, just the experience I've gained. Um, my confidence was probably at an all time high and it still feels that way as someone in a leadership standpoint, uh, it couldn't have been more opposite just because this is very new to me. I think anytime you're in a content team, there's always collaboration and, you know, you're, you're someone, I try to be someone who, you know, is willing to help out, willing to share information, but now actually having that title of like, Hey, like this is, you know, essentially your team that you are leading, um, is, is, was very intimidating and still is. And I'm very, very much still um, green in that aspect, but 
Um, you know, it's funny, they kind of contradict each other where like, as a creator, you want me to come in and shoot and edit something. Awesome. I got you. I I, yeah. I can do whatever you want me to do. But then you're talking about, hey, we want you to lead this meeting and all these other things. That's when I'm like, ah, I've never done this before. So, yeah. um, you know, but I, I'm growing and I think, you know, I'm very fortunate to have, uh, you know, a department that I'm working in um, that is supportive and understanding and um, you know, the team that I have is awesome and they've been very supportive and, you know, they'll, they'll tease me and call, call me boss man or things like that. And I'm like, please do not, do not. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. So I'm growing in confidence in both. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's like anything, you know, the more, the more I'm in it, the more I learn, the more you feel comfortable. I think, you know, the fear or trepidation or intimidation just came from the unknown. I've never done this before. Um, yeah. There's still things that I'm learning and, and growing in, but, you know, day and day it gets more comfortable. And, um, you know, I think it's only going to go up from there. That's cool. Le- yeah. Leadership is one of those things, I think, personally. It's kind of hard to train. It sometimes is instinctual. And it's like yeah. you just keep trying to improve and notice your faults and see where you messed up and kind of get better here. And, like, yeah. you got to give yourself a lot of grace because there's no real textbook for it. And people yeah. try to tell you that there is, but – I don't know. It just feels like something you have to feel your way through a lot too. And uh, so do you have any mentors you li- rely on? Has that been an important part of your process yeah. too, is just to have other people you can talk to? thousand percent. So it's funny enough. Um, one of, I mean, there's a guy out there, hopefully he watches this, um, Nick Williams, who kind of has always been like someone I leaned on. Um, he was a producer when I was an intern with the uh, Suns Productions. Um, and then, uh, he, uh, he stayed in Suns Productions. I ended up going to the dot-com side, which was our digital side. Um, and then they kind of pulled a whole bunch of different people from those de- departments to form yeah. the content team as it is now. And so we ended up working together again. And so um, I would pick his brain on everything from yeah. life to work to, I mean, I Nick, he, he would never want to take credit for it, but he was one of the people who actually taught me how to use Adobe software. I would pop over to his cubicle all the time, like, hey, how'd you do this? Yeah. What is this? What is this? That's cool. And, what did you do? There? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I yeah. would, you know, YouTube stuff and then go ask Nick and YouTube stuff and go ask Nick. And so, um, you know, he was uh, basically previously in this position and ended up finding a good opportunity um, elsewhere. And so, you know, he was the one who recommended me for this job to uh, cool. our CMO. And so he called and um, that's how all this kind of got in motion. And so even now I'll still call him. I'm in his old office. And so I'll call him and be like, Hey, I saw that you ordered this. What is this? Or, Hey, what did you do with this person? Or where's that freelancer's number or whatever it is. So I lean on him constantly and he's an awesome dude. I mean, there's no way I'd be where I'm at in my, in my career without that guy. And um, there's a whole bunch of other people, a guy I work with now, Jake Knapp, who's kind of like our, we call him like our air traffic controller. Um, So he's the guy who's, you know, dishing out projects and making sure everybody's on schedule and you know there's just a whole bunch of people that i'll i'll try to throw questions at because if i don't know that's one thing that i try to take pride in if i don't know i'll tell you i don't know i'll try to find yeah. out but i won't i won't lie to you and try to you know you know beat around the bush and come up with a, a false answer or something i'll be like i don't know but i bet i can find somebody who does and you know i'm just around a great group of people who are willing to not only help but you know are, are supportive and on and, and everything in that nature. So um, I'm very fortunate in that regard. I think that's such a powerful sign of leadership too and humility and just being able to be vulnerable and say, I don't know how to do this, yeah. but I can find out. 
Yeah. And I know when I was first coming up, that was one of my biggest hurdles was I was afraid of everybody else thinking I was weak yeah. or I didn't know something or yeah. they were going to judge me. Yeah. And I'd tell myself that in my head over and over again. And now I try to tell young people all the time, like, you have to ask questions. Yeah. You have to like be able to be, you know, ask when you don't know how to do something and learn and be open to that. Faking it till you make it doesn't work. No, not at all. And you just, the funny thing is if you try to go that route, you just put yourself in a deeper and deeper hole. You're trying oh, to, so true. You're, yeah, you're trying to figure out things that you have no idea what to do. You're probably creating bigger problems for yourself. Yep. than had you just gone and asked that right person or got the right advice. And so, um, I'm, I'm, consistent in that regard of like, uh, let me just go ask real quick. Oh, let me just call this guy. And probably, I mean, I've never got any flack, but there are probably some people like Sean again, but I mean, that's just, that's how I have to go about it. Yeah. Cause I got to be like, listen, I got, especially now in this position, I mean, I got, you know, six or seven people who are relying on me to deliver correct information and, you know, whatever it is, guidance or whatever, just point them in the right direction. And I can't just, you know, I can't fake that. You know, that like if if I got, you know, people sacrificing their time and putting effort into something, I can't be, you know, pointing them in the wrong direction based off pride. You know, it's, it's right. got to be something where I have to be like, listen, I don't know. Let me go find the answer. Let me go get some clarity on that. Um, and, you know, I like to be able to be, I mean, it always feels good when someone comes in and you can just kind of, you know, point them in the right direction right off the spot. But I, I have plenty of instances where I'm like, oh, it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but let me make a phone call, send an email, yeah. I'll get back to you. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's definitely something that um, I struggled with too. And in terms of like, you know, not, especially being new in this role, I didn't want to be the guy like, oh, you know, is this a mistake? Hey, you don't want to be guy? the person that doesn't know stuff, yeah. right? You want to be yeah. the one that's like, I got all the answers. Answers, but yeah. that's just not a reality. Yeah, it's just not realistic. And yeah. I think that's the whole reason why. Otherwise, you know, you just have, it's a reason why you have such a slew of employees. I mean, otherwise you'd yeah. have four or five people running the show, but you need the support of everybody in here. And we lean on each other constantly. On your Twitter profile, it says, associate director of content for the Suns, mm-hmm. formerly Arizona Cardinals, father, husband, you give your wife a shout out, which was very nice of you. Yes. Sun Devil alum. Yes. Let's keep this real. Being a father and a husband, clearly important to you. But in yes. the sports industry, it can be tough. You mentioned yes. it earlier. Personal relationships can suffer. Yes. Working in sports with strange schedules, late nights, holidays, travel. How do you keep it all in perspective? Because I know it's a struggle for a lot of us. Well, yeah. And I've kind of had a baptism by fire, like we talked about earlier. Um, I was that guy who was, when I was, you know, first got into our dot-com side, I was the only video guy there. There was no, again, there was no such thing as a content team at that time. And so I I really was. I was working every game, 14-hour days and, Mm -hmm. you know, weekends, holidays. And, you know, my wife, bless her heart, would just, you know, she was just so supportive in that regard in terms of, you know, just kind of rolling with the punches in a sense. And, um, you know, she's always been that way, whether it's, you know, here when, when my previous run with the Suns or, you know, switching over to the grind that is the NFL and the travel there and the week yeah. in, week out that goes there and even coming back here, um, just trying to get, you know, my feet under me and, and trying to get an understanding. But, you know, I really got to a point um, late in my years with the Suns, the first run, um, when I had my first kid, um, and it was kind of a very eye-opening experience of like, wow, like you it really puts into perspective what really should be our priority and what what things aren't as pressing as what you thought they would be. Um, yep. And so I I really just had kind of like a, a coming to God moment, I guess you could say, of like, man, like my family has already sacrificed so much for me. Um, so anytime that I can get back and just even if it's just spend time. 
um, that's going to be my new priority. And I, you know, I was very fortunate that I shared that with, you know, the boss I had at the time here. Um, even when I moved to the Cardinals, as hectic as it was, and I, I, I bet my wife would see this and be like, she would probably disagree that I didn't spend as much time as I'm talking up. Um, and I, she would be right in that regard. Yeah. Um, but just to have the support of like, hey, when I'm done with my work, I'm going to leave. Like, I'm not going to stick around just to stick around. Like, I have other things I have to take care of. You know, um, my wife works from home. I have two boys now. Um, so she's watching, you know, both kids working from home, taking them to and from school. Um, and so it's it's already it was already a huge sacrifice on her part. Now with the kids involved, it's even more. And so now that I'm in this position, part of coming back to the sons was just that. And, you know, being able to elevate, of course, but yeah. also, you know, now knowing that I have a team that I don't have to work every game night, mm -hmm. that I don't have to travel. Um, that was really that that was really the, the driving point of coming back because to be candid, I never thought that I would ever return to the Suns. I didn't have yeah. any bad blood, but it just seemed like a chapter that had closed. And mm -hmm. um, when this opportunity came about, that was really the thing that pushed it over the edge in terms of, you know, work-life balance and knowing like even tonight, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here and support and do the things I need to do. But come seven o'clock, I'm going, or excuse me, come five o'clock, Come seven o'clock, they'll tip off a game and I'll be watching it at home with my family. And so cool. um, it's not always going to be like that. Um, you know, obviously there's there's still late nights and, you yeah. know, there's the travel and things like that. But the ability to have that flexibility of like, yeah, you know what, I'm not working tonight. I'm going to go home and, and, and not feel any pushback or pressure or, you know, someone just judging me. And, you know, that's also, um, as we talked about before, what we're, what I'm really trying to also push to everybody within our group. Yeah. It's like supporting each other. I mean, yeah. I, I remember relatively early in my career, I had like Tuesdays and Wednesdays were my off days. I worked every weekend. My wife worked nine to five Monday through Friday. I was like six at night until two in the morning. Every yeah. other day of the week. We barely ever saw each other. And yeah. one day she was just like, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And it was like, I, that was a moment where it's like, yeah. where are my priorities, you know? And so you figure things out and you, you yeah. figure out what's most important. But those are important moments for people to figure out. Everybody may hit that point. And hopefully you can put in enough of those early years to then get to a point of management where you get yeah. to delegate a little bit more, where you get to disperse amongst a team. Yeah. And and that, that becomes important. And it's, it's up to every individual to figure out where they're you know, those important moments are where those, where they want to spend their time. Yeah. And uh, it's cool to hear you tell that, that story. Yeah. Let's, let's inform all the young people listening. What are those, like, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, I want to be a content creator, I want to do this kind of thing where I'm working for a team. What are those main skills that you use either early in your career or even now that you use every day in your job? Are there certain apps? Are there certain tools? You mentioned Adobe earlier, certain mm. skills that are instrumental to the workflow or being successful in today's content world that you think are just like paramount. This is a good starting point for somebody. Yeah. I mean, skill wise, the first thing I think about is versatility. I mean, in today's industry, it's, it's so things are so running gun. Um, and people just want content, you know, sooner than ever. But it's yeah. not just the quantity, all the stuff that you have to pump out. There's a level of quality that needs to come from it, too. You know, you can't just when you when you're working on this level, you can't just pump out anything just to pump it out. Um, and those are things that we still consistently battle with. Um, but versatility is the first thing that stands out to me, because, I mean, you come into a situation, they're going to want you to be able to shoot then take what you shot and edit and not only edit, but edit in a time efficient manner. You know, you're not going to have 
two, three days to work on something that you just shot. It's how can you take something you just shot an hour ago and conceptualize a finished product in your mind, then take it to your editing station, post-produce it, um, you know, to get it to that point, but then also to preserve that quality while also doing it in a timely manner. So I think, you know, being able to shoot, edit, and, and essentially be a one-man band is, yep. is, is very key because I'll see a lot of people who come in and they'll write me on Instagram and say, Hey man, you know, I, I would really like a job. I make these videos and it's like, okay, I mean, it's cool to see you have strength in editing, but what does your shooting look like? Yeah. You know, can someone send you out into the field and gather two or three interviews? Can you craft a story together? Can you sit in a meeting with um, a group of marketing partners and, you know, hash out a new concept, you know, things like that to where, that's our day. Did this take you two weeks to make, or did it take you two yeah. hours? Right. Yeah. 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 That's our day to day. And so yeah. it's, it's so much more than just, and that's, I think that's a really big misconception when it comes to sports and every organization is different, but I think a lot of people think, you know, you get on a, a sports content team and, you know, you're just making highlight videos and shooting the guys at practice, but it's, that's just one small, small fathom of what we yeah. do. And so being able to be versatile in your skill set. Um, is huge because you're going to be asked so much. Um, you got to be an editor, a shooter, a producer, um, you know, a colorist, an audio engineer. I mean, you got to do it all and you got to wear all those hats and also be able to do it in a timely fashion. So um, that's the one thing from a skill set. Um, you know, obviously in terms of equipment, you know, things have just gotten so sophisticated. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I try to preach is like, you know, these cameras that we have are great. You know, you can literally put everything on auto and you'd probably be fine. But what happens when you find yourself in a situation where things aren't responding correctly? Do you have an understanding of your equipment? You know, do you know the fundamentals of, you know, your shutter speed, your, your iris, you know, what? Yeah what frame rates you need to be shooting on for what you're trying to edit, all those things that can kind of be lost in the flow now because things have become so sophisticated. Um, those are the things that will really set you apart because you'll find yourself in a situation where your auto white balance isn't going to work or, you mm -hmm. know, shooting everything on autofocus isn't going to work. Do you have the skills to be able yeah. to adapt because they're still going to want that video and you can't say, well, you know, my, my autofocus wasn't working very well. It's not going to be a, a very valid excuse. So. That's so great. And it's such good insight too into there's a technical side, there's a creative side, oh, there's yeah. a data side, there's a presentation side, there's a marketing side, there's a partnership side. There's a lot more to it than just like, yes. I make videos. Yes, thousand percent. But okay, let's finish off with this because I mean, you do make cool videos and that's something that's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> How part. special is that? Seriously, to know that what you're creating is being seen by so many people and they are feeling that hype and that energy. Like, what is that like to know that your work is is contributing to somebody else's emotional feelings about things? Like, yeah. that's crazy. It is. And it's a crazy concept, especially when you put it like that. Because I tell you what, I, and it's like a running joke around here. I, d I don't even like presenting videos in front of like two people. Like if someone comes <laughs> in to check out a video that I have to create and they kind of have to give a sign off, I'll walk out of the room. Oh, like it's just, same. it's, it's just weird. It's like, I tell people it's like, or even, you know, especially when it's something that's a passion project, right? Like brand videos, intro, where you've put a lot of time and effort to make it. You something. don't want to watch them, watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, the natural in inclination is like, oh, they're going to hate it. Like, yes. oh, why did I put that? Why did I put that effect there? Oh, I shouldn't oh, use that yeah. sound. And so then you translate that to playing that in front of 18,000 people. 
and you just like, man, I hope it, I hope people receive it well, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I mean, it, I tell people it's the equivalent of like reading your life essay in front of 18,000 people. And so it's just, it's, it's something that I think I still very much struggle with. There's yeah. people who will, you know, write me and, um, you know, compliment me and, you know, give me a lot of kudos and love, which I'm all obviously super appreciative of, but it, it just is such a weird, it's a weird feeling for me. It just, it's something that I, I'm very, it, it always is a humbling experience for sure. Yeah. Um, anytime I get positive feedback, whether it's something small on Instagram or something big, you know, here at the arena, um, but it, 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 when you, even when you were crafting your question, I was like, man, that's, it just gives me like, it's, it's an odd feeling of like, you don't realize the impact you have, but that's also the reason why I love what I do, because you do get to help craft a story and help some and evoke emotion out of, you know, whether it's a fan or a casual person just watching, you know, whether you want them to be pumped up for a game or shed a tear at an emotional story. I mean, the fact that you have that power is really, really cool. And so um, it's not something I take lightly, but anytime I think on the grand scale of like, you know, people watching or, you know, whatever it may be, it just, it's so surreal to me, but it, it's a really, really humbling experience for sure. Sean, awesome conversation. Thank you so oh, much for coming on. It. This was so great to learn about your experiences and all the things you're up to. Uh, I know our audience is going to love it. So thank you so much for being here. No, I appreciate you having me, man. This was awesome. And um, anytime I can come on and, and jump back on, it was a great conversation. So oh, yeah, we're going to have a I second follow up. We're definitely yeah. going to do this again. Let me know, man. It was awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much to Sean for coming on the show. Again, I know I say this all the time, but when people come on during their season, during their busiest time and give their advice, it just shows a lot about them. It speaks really highly of them, their desire to help, their desire to give back. And I think that's one of the things I enjoy so much about the sports industry and the people that we interview as part of this program is that they all come in with an attitude of giving back. We all want to help and support and build up those people who want to get into the industry and follow in the path that we've started to build. And so I could feel that from Sean, that he feels so much respect and joy from being in the sports industry. And he wanted to share and help the next generation coming up in the industry, how he found his opportunities, his vision for what sports content is. It's all just such great stuff. And I mean, I don't think I'll ever watch a Phoenix Sun game the same way. So thank you again to Sean for coming on. Thank you for all of you for listening. I appreciate it. Every single one of you, please rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen, it does help. It makes a big difference. So if you can do that for me, we'll keep churning out really great content. Thanks everybody.